Hello, my lovely listeners. I'm Dr. Mary Barson. And I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. Welcome to this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. Good morning, lovely listeners, and welcome to this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. I am Dr. Mary Barson, and hello, Dr. Lucy. Hello, Dr. Mary. How are you this morning? Such a gorgeous day out there when we're recording this. I am enjoying the winter sunshine, it must be said. It uh, it kind of feels like a little bit of a decadent treat, like the weather shouldn't be this nice in southern Victoria, but I'm loving it. It's been a fairly sunny school holidays, which actually are over today, recording this on the last day of school holidays. Hmm. Yes, I think um, it's important to remember that winter is meant to be cold and miserable, and it's funny how we're often surprised when it's cold and miserable. <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. And often feel the need to complain, but no complaints here, I must say. We've been very lucky. Absolutely. Absolutely. So today we've got a hot topic and it came up because there was an article that I came across in one of our doctor magazines. So we have these, um, you know, magazines that have got um, journal articles and whatnot in them. And it was an interesting article because it was actually talking about how patients feel fat shamed by their doctors. I was fascinated, of course, but I was even more fascinated by the responses because like a lot of articles, you know, you can log in and write your response. So I thought that was really interesting and I thought we'd talk a bit about it a bit today, Mez. Yes, it's an incredibly complex and interesting topic, I think, People who have got some weight to lose, people who have overweight or obesity can have extremely mixed feelings about seeing their doctor and can have extremely mixed experiences when they do see their doctor. So we wanted to dive into this topic a bit now and um, sort of talk about how we approach this and how the listeners, the people out there can approach seeing their doctor as well and perhaps having some conversations about their weight if they wanted to. Yeah, I guess what I would say is that I think at the heart of it, most doctors care about their patients and want the best for them. Sometimes their method of communicating this is not always ideal and sometimes the way in which the patient receives the message can be different from the way the doctor intended it to be received. But I also think out there, there are some doctors like people in general who are insensitive and probably have some judgment and stigma or stigmatize their patients. And some of them are unintentional and some of them are intentional thinking that this will be a good way to motivate them. I think that does happen at times, definitely, and it's really helpful. It's, you know, shaming someone is is very rarely a highly motivating technique. I think also the traditional weight loss advice and the very, very minimal nutritional training that doctors get in medical school is based entirely around, you know, the outdated science of our current dietary guidelines that essentially boils down to weight loss equals calories, which is so overly simplistic that it is in fact 
wrong and we know it's wrong. I know it's wrong. You know it's wrong, Lucy. Other doctors who have enlightened themselves on the real hormonal cause of weight gain know it's wrong, but lots and lots of doctors don't know it's wrong. And if you distill this idea down to its core, this idea that weight loss is all about calories, so that if you simply ate less and moved more, you would lose weight. It's incorrect advice, but it is still a prevailing dogma in the in the current medical institution. If you distill it right down to what that means, it basically means that if you are overweight, then it's because you eat too much and don't move too much and you don't move enough. So basically it's gluttony and sloth. And that is obviously not the cause. That is not why people get overweight, but that is what people have been taught in medical school. Yeah. And I think what happens is that because that's, the, the you know, you give the advice to somebody, look, you know, cut down your fats and do some walking. Let's be honest, it doesn't work like that. And it doesn't work. So then then they don't know what else to do. So then they will often refer off to a dietitian maybe or just not address it. And I think I think the tricky thing is, and I mean we we talk about this ourselves, you and I Mez, about the idea that there is a line that you have to walk in helping somebody manage the way their body stores fat. You can't just ignore it and pretend it's not there because that's what some doctors do. That's their solution. It's an uncomfortable conversation. They're worried about offending a patient, so they'll just not mention it at all. And that's probably not helpful on one hand. The other hand becomes they mention it at every single consultation, every single symptom becomes about the patient's weight. And that's not helpful because it's also not true. So walking those two extremes is one thing we need to do. And the other thing we need to do is you don't need to be perfectly lean to be healthy. You don't have to be a size eight to be healthy, as we know. You are allowed to carry some excess body fat and you are still healthy. The devil in the detail here is how much body fat and what's your insulin. Absolutely. I have friends and family members who hate going to the doctors because they think that every single thing that they go to the doctor with will be blamed on their excess weight. I've got a friend who reckons that if she went to see her doctor because of infected splinter, the doctor would say, oh, just go lose some weight and it will get better. That's genuinely her belief. Whether I don't know what actually happens during the consultations between her and her doctor, I would like to know, but that is her belief. So she just doesn't like going and will essentially not go because she doesn't feel listened to. It's all about her weight. And yes, I completely agree. You can have carry a little bit of extra weight and still be perfectly healthy. It really is all about your metabolic health and not about how much subcutaneous fat you are carrying. I'm um, I'm a very healthy size 14 mostly these days and uh, certainly when I run around the pool after my daughter there are some jiggly bits there I am going to admit it but I am perfectly healthy I've got nice low serum insulin and I can feel very good and happy about that. Yeah I think it's really important that people don't identify health with thinness they're not the same you can be healthy you don't need to be thin. 
You can be thin and very unhealthy. Let's face it. That's the other extreme. You can be lean and strong and healthy. You're like, you know, there's, there's, we've got a variety of body shapes that are all healthy. But what we need to do is just yeah, navigate that path. So in some ways, I feel like I've got an advantage because people know that I and you too, Mares, you know, we're interested in weight loss, that people are going to come to us and we're going to listen to them. We spend time, our consultations are longer. We're going to spend time listening to their needs so they feel heard and that we do it with a really compassionate approach. Traditional, particularly traditional general practice sessions that are often 15 minutes max, you know, there's not a lot of time in that. There's not a lot of time to hear to hear somebody and to understand their whole story and work out why, what the root cause of their body storing excess fat is. And it's certainly just not about the calories. Like it's so much more complicated than that, as as our listeners will know, because we talk about it all the time. It is not just that the person eats too much. So Dr. Lucy, you've got lots of knowledge, lots of expertise, lots of compassion and lots and lots of experience in this area. So when you've got a person in front of you, say in your GP clinic, how do you approach the topic of their weight? How do you explain to them you know, what has caused this, what's going on and what to do about it. Yeah, well, as I said, I think I've got kind of two patient populations. One are people who come to me for weight loss, so that's much easier. You know, where they're expecting to talk about it, so that's fine. The others are perhaps more my standard general practice people who, you know, may have high blood pressure or, you know, come for a various a range of conditions. I think the key is finding out where the patient is at. You have to meet people where they're at. If somebody is not ready for change, it doesn't matter what the doctor says, they're not ready. But what we need to be there though is available to them when they are ready. So telling somebody off, making somebody hop on the scales, making them feel bad about themselves because their body's storing excess fat is really, really unhelpful. So I would always just be very open and say something along the lines of, you know, sometimes our body stores excess fat. Sometimes this is related to hormones, in particular insulin. You know, do you know about that? That usually invariably say no, and we might talk about it. And we might talk about insulin's role in not just storing body fat, but its role in fatty liver and its role in hypertension and its role in prediabetes. And ask them, what are their thoughts about it? What do they want from their life? Where do they see, you know, are they worried? You know, again, if somebody says to you, I'm not worried at all, I I like it like this, then they're not ready for change. So we don't need to berate them into it. That's not going to help. Guilt is not a constructive emotion. No. Nor is shame. No. And I know sometimes people, again, doctors might use fear and occasionally that, that can just sort of help but for a lot of people that again just makes them more frightened and and, you know we know there's that fight flight and freeze and so some people will just stop it's too hard too overwhelming they do nothing you know there's often a consequence of doing nothing but again just that beautiful ability to allow somebody to come to the decision when they're ready and know that you're there for them is really what I think is really helpful. 
I don't think there's anybody walking around who perhaps is carrying 20 kilos and doesn't realise. Yes. They don't need someone to point it out to them. No. Yeah. No. They know. They know. And and most people know that losing weight is going to help them and their health. Again, you know, people don't need to be a size eight. Losing 5% of a lot of people is going to be helpful, 10%. So, you know, even a few kilos, sometimes just getting that little bit out there. Because sometimes when people, have, particularly if you've got a lot to lose, it can feel really hard. They come in, they go, well, you know, I've got to lose 50 kilos. How am I going to do that? That's too hard. I can't do it. I'm not going to do any. And so, you know, I'll talk to them about, well, let's just start with five and focus on the process, not the result. Now, I've got this funny little story I've been talking about lately, which is all about the idea that if you wanted to buy a house, you've got to save for a deposit first. So if I opened up a shop and said, you know, deposits are us, come here and I'll help you get your house deposit. And people came in and, you know, I'd sit down and I'd talk to them about their finances and about their situation and who lives in their house and what where they're spending their money and where they could save their money and could they invest their money and all of those sorts of things. And, you know, we would work out a strategy then for them to get to their house deposit because, when they've saved for their house deposit, they've then got to be able to pay a mortgage. So, you know, similar process. So we would focus then on the process. Or I could say to them, you know what, you can get your house deposit. You've just got to go and rip off about 10 old ladies, three grand each, 10 ladies, 30 grand, there's your house deposit. That's unhelpful. That's not going to be a good way to get your house deposit. So focusing on the process is actually the key rather than just focusing on the result. Yes, I like that. And I'm glad that you're not encouraging people to go and rip off um, old ladies, if only because it's not sustainable for ongoing mortgage repayments. No, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Yes, I like that. When I see people in my clinic, I go to great pains to do what I can to try and help them sort of shuck off the fat shaming, or as I actually like to call it, the victim blaming. Mm. Because there is a culture of blaming people, people who have obesity or overweight, blaming them and saying it is their fault. It's because they eat too much or they don't move too much. Where in actual fact, the problem is much wider than that. When we're living in a situation where, you know, almost half of Australian adults have got overweight or obesity. And does that mean that half of all Australian adults are gluttonous sloths and that, you know, we've suddenly become gluttonous and and sloth-like far more than our grandparents and our great-grandparents? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That is not what is going on. Something has changed in our environment that has caused this enormous epidemic of obesity, overweight, type 2 diabetes and metabolic disease. So this problem is far, far bigger than just the individual and heaping blame onto an individual is not helpful, not constructive and not fair. So it's much bigger than that. Mez, you were telling me earlier that you'd been reading a position statement from the RACGP. So the RACGP College, Royal Australian College of um, General Practitioners, is one of our college memberships that many GPs belong to. So in that, did they say, you know, doctors should blame patients? (laughs) 
They didn't. I'm very, very pleased to say that's not what happened. Yeah, so the college, RACGP has a position statement they came out with a few years ago, which I actually really, really like. I think that a lot more work needs to be done to educate doctors on the real cause of obesity, on the hormonal cause of obesity, and how real food, low-carb, real food diets are an effective treatment for that. But one wonderful thing that the College of GPs has come out with is just recognising and changing the narrative around obesity and overweight, moving the narrative from an individual responsibility, that it is entirely the individual's uh, responsibility, the individual's fault if they are suffering with this condition, and changing it into a shared responsibility between the individual, the healthcare workers, the community, the public health policy Industry, they specifically say industry, which I think is incredibly important, educational institutions and all levels of government. This is how big the problem is and this is where the problem needs to be addressed at all of these levels. Because if you have obesity or, or you are overweight or you've got metabolic disease, it's not your fault. It's your responsibility. It's absolutely your responsibility, but it is not your fault. No. Absolutely. And that's one of our favourite things to say to people. It isn't your fault. It is your responsibility because nobody is going to come and do it for you. No one is going to come along and take responsibility for you. So that's the hard bit, I think, sometimes when something isn't your fault, but you have to fix it yourself. But that's, (laughs) that's just life, as they say. It is when you take responsibility for it, for changing it, that's actually empowerment. You're empowering. You're back to driving your RV vehicle, your all-terrain vehicle, by taking control yourself, not waiting for someone else to come and fix it. You know, I mean, I spend a lot of time railing against industry and banging on about up and go and all those sorts of hideous products. But not for one skerrick do I assume that the companies are going to be withdrawing all of those. They're not. They are not. So we have to take responsibility for not purchasing those. So in some ways, I feel like it's my job to educate people that there is another story. The health star rating on the front of some of these products isn't helpful, isn't true. But if I'm waiting for Nestle to close down, that's not happening. No. Can't wait for Nestle to close down for, for us to take responsibility for our own health. No. Oh, wonderful listeners. So, all right, Lucy, let's distill, you know, our advice. What are we going to tell our wonderful listeners listening today who who perhaps have excess weight and a weight loss goal? Maybe the people who aren't too familiar with our work that might just be jumping on now. What advice are we going to give these people right now? So the majority of people who have obesity, particularly central abdominal fat storage, have an insulin issue. They don't have a glutton issue. They're not greedy. Insulin causes your body to store fat and you are then unable to access it again until your insulin is reduced. So in order to reduce your insulin, there are three main things that we talk about. There's other um, things like good sleep and stress management, but three things that you can talk to your doctor about one is low-carb real food. Your doctor may not, may or may not be open to that idea. Listen to our podcast. Yes. Go back to the start of our podcast if you want some help on low-carb real food. 
We do talk about strength training to improve your muscle mass. And we've got an episode coming up, up on that. And then metformin is the one medication that is used to sensitize your muscles to insulin. So, you know, there, there are sort of three options. There are other medications that are now out on the market. A lot of them are very expensive. They really are. And if you're not actually addressing the core of the hyperinsulinemia or the high insulin, then band-aiding it with some medications is not always a long-term solution. Getting back to that crux of low-carb real food and then addressing the psychological reasons of why you may eat, because they usually go hand in hand, physiology and psychology, that's the key. Yep. Our bread and butter, the physiology of weight loss and the psychology of weight loss. Our low-carb bread and butter. That's right. I should, I should call it our spinach and butter, I think, our broccoli and butter. I've got to change that. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. Well, the lovely listeners, that's it for us this week. Remember, the treatment of obesity is different to the prevention. Having obesity is not your fault. It is your responsibility because no one's going to come and do it for you. But that is also empowering because you have the power to change your life. You absolutely do. We'll see you next week. Bye for now. Bye-bye. So, my lovely listeners, that ends this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. And I'm Dr. Mary Barson. We're from Real Life Medicine. To contact us, please visit rlmedicine.com. And until next time, thanks thanks for for listening. listening.